Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Cool. We've got a fun packed show for you today. Have we? Yes. Oh, we have, yeah. Yes, we have. Are you sure? Uh, yes, I'm sure. We're sure. Good. Sure. Excellent. <laughs> God, it's snowing an absolute blizzard outside. It's been snowing all day, Steve. It has, hasn't it? Oh, we almost didn't make it, actually, did we, today? No. Almost weren't recording this podcast. Thanks to me, I was travelling back from London, uh, driving about 20 miles an hour for two hours in the snow, but I made it, skidded into a parking spot, and now I'm ready to record. <laughs> so are you ready? I'm ready, ready to go. Let's get cracking. So every week we start the podcast with a story, and last week you left us hanging, Dad, so I hope you're going to carry on from where you left off. Uh, so, I will. <laughs> so remind anyone out there that... Can't remember where we were last week. Where, where did you leave us in the story? Right. Well, I, I, I left you where my friend John had invited me down to his place in the back of beyond to show me how to produce these bone china birds. Uh, he'd been doing it for quite a long time. Anyway, when I got there, I couldn't believe it. The place was a real mess. There was bone china slip everywhere. It was really mucky. And I thought, oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not so sure I want to any part of this he, he took me through the process and he got to a, the stage where he said well of course Colin I have to draw these out before I do anything or and I have to paint them you know to so that they'll work as a model I said ah John maybe I can help you there so anyway well, this is what I did I was designing the birds and the uh, it wasn't just the birds that the plinth that they stood on which meant uh, branches and little flowers and leaves and things like that. I used to design them. I used to design them, draw them in pencil, and then use coloured pencils. This was very successful. I really enjoyed doing it. And he uh, then made uh, models from that. And I, I saw his, some of his models. They were made in plasticine. I said, you know, John, I wouldn't mind having a go at that either. I ended up by making the plasticine models, three-dimensional sculptures. And then he took over. So you were Colin Bradley the sculpture? Ah, yes, yes, hidden talent, you see. He then made the models, fired them, and then gave them back to me. And I used to paint them with the, the glazing and so on. Mm. And they were fantastic. I really enjoyed them. Well, in the process of using and designing these models, I sort of dabbled a little bit. I, I expanded it and fiddled about with a few landscapes and made the animals a little bit more, not not for him, but this was for my own use, you know. So I started becoming quite good at this, you know, drawing little landscapes. And I was in a in the local, in my town centre, and I passed an art shop. I went in and I bought some watercolours. I never had any. This is the first time other than ones when I had when I was a kid. So I bought a, a, a decent box of watercolours. Why did you choose watercolours? No idea. Absolutely no idea. I suppose uh, it might have been because it was the cheapest, mm. no? Watercolours, and it's probably the most well-known medium as well. You mm. know? I mean, there are acrylics and, and oils and so on, but they're a bit mucky, to be honest. So I thought this would be nice and clean. So I took the watercolours away, and I carried on producing these um, landscapes. And I got more quite proficient at it. And one day... Uh, on my travels down to John, I took some of the pictures with me. I said, you know, John, what do you think of these? And he looked at them and said, you know, Colin, these are pretty good. Oh, I didn't really believe him. And he said, no, no, he said, no, they are. He said, they're, they're very good. He said, I visit a lot of amateur exhibitions, and he said, these would measure up very well. 
but anyway, I, I kind of put it on the back burner. But I carried on because I was enjoying myself so much. I enjoyed uh, painting these pictures and I used to give them away to friends and relatives and so on. And then I thought, you know, I need to take this one stage further. So a business partner, a business, sorry, business associate that I'd had, in, that I knew quite well, was a marine artist. That's someone who paints boats and uh, pictures of seascapes. And he was a professional. So I rang him up one day and I said, would you mind having a look at casting your eye over some of my pictures? So he said, absolutely, no problem. So I went along and I was a little you know, worried about what he was going to say. Were you nervous? Well, you would be. I mean, you, you take it to a professional artist and mm. he's going to slate it, you think. Anyway, I, I took him along and uh, he had them and he said something that absolutely floored me. And I'll tell you what that is next week. <laughs> Oh, no. Sorry. You've done it again. Yeah, but this, this keeps coming back, Steve, see. I, I don't know where this is going, listeners. He's, he's, <laughs> every time he does this to you, he's doing it to me. I don't know what's coming next either. Well, you'll have to tune into next week as well to find out where this goes. In those early days, Dad, when you were painting pictures, mm. obviously nowadays people have got Google images, they've got a wealth of reference material out there they can find we even set up a website where people can get reference material from as well yes back then how where did you get your did i take it you used reference pictures when you were yes. doing your landscapes and birds and things like that you you found yes. you found images mm. that you would to copy how did you find where, where did you go to get those pictures well, mostly from the library when i wanted to do a landscape or or animals come to that i'd visit my local library or i used to ask all my friends and relations for their calendars when they finish with them. And I built up quite a collection. And the other, of course, I also take pictures myself. I used to do a lot of local scenes. So I used to take my camera out and take photographs and so mm. on. So it wasn't that difficult, but it, it's much easier today, of course. Mm. Was, it, was it hard to get the shot? Because obviously, if you take a camera out and it's mm. bad weather or... Things well, like that, you've got, to, no. you've got to... I mean, it's got to be hard, quite hard to capture that image that you you want well no it's not actually you know even now I do a lot of improvising mm. i take the picture and then i change it so right. i used to take pictures of churches and then put snow on them i right. didn't take pictures in the snow i just used to take the pictures and then put the snow on i still do that today and sunsets i used to have pictures which weren't sunsets and i used to turn them into sunsets mm. so i kind of like I love the idea of experimenting even then. Mm, tweaking and changing things. Yeah, very much so. What about animals? Because you, you, taking pictures of animals, mm. I know, is a, is a real hard task. Well, I didn't take pictures of animals for portrait work at that time. Mm. I, used to, I used to take pictures of animals, cows and sheep, just long dis horses, long-distant views, mm. um, dogs. I used to find lots of, I used to find references from all, I can't, even tell you how many places I went for these references. You know, I, I, I connived and pinched what I could, but I built a collection of them. So if I did a picture, you know, of a, of a street scene, I think, you know, I really like someone walking their dog. I just go and find a picture of someone walking their dog and, and put, put it a minute. That's <laughs> <laughs> clever, that is. So let's move on to some questions that we posed to our Facebook page this week. Um, purely to, to get some feedback and, and see what uh, other people thought. And we asked two questions. We asked people, 
which they preferred painting, animals or landscapes. And it was interesting, the outcome, wasn't it? Yes, it was. There yes. was a majority of people said animals. Absolutely. Didn't they? Yeah. So as a result of that sort of poll um, to, to get people's feedback, we've decided to, on our members' site, to do a animal episode. So we're going to start a new animal project, which we're not revealing just yet. It will be revealed this week. I and can tell you it's a corker, though. <laughs> it's a good I've one. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to do an episode of this animal portrait every week and we're going to run that alongside another project so it might be a still life it might be a landscape it, it'll be another project but we're going to continue with an animal episode a week because we we know now that members majority prefer animals but we're still going to give them a landscape another project so they're going to get a, a real variety aren't they now very much so yes i think it i think it's something i thought about quite some time ago but i think we were a bit wrapped up in wanting to get the the, the series finished so that we can mm. get another one started but this this way you get the best of both worlds and i think we 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 please both camps yes that's what's important absolutely and the other question we asked on facebook was what picture size did they prefer painting? Because it's interesting that you, Dad, paint generally A4, um, yeah. other than you, you do sometimes small pictures. Um, we asked whether people painted preferred painting in A3, A4, or A5, A5 being the smallest, A3 being the largest. So it was interesting what they said as well, what they mm. came back. A, a lot of people actually prefer A3. Um, majority right. was A4, I think, but it was A3 as it was sort of on par with A3. People prefer painting larger pictures, don't that's they? That's right. That's right. What do you think about that? Do you think that's oh, that's well, common? I, well, it, it was a bit of a surprise to me because I used to paint in A3 many years ago, mm. and I found that the pencils suited smaller pictures mm. because by their very nature. Uh, so I tended to make, then do A4. And then, we, of course, when we were doing the packs, it was much easier to do A4 size mm, and so mm, on. Mm. Uh, and I love miniature work, too. As you know, I've done quite a lot of miniature pictures. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love doing miniature work. So I suppose uh, I was guided by that. And the other problem we had with the A3 is the is supplying people with A3 paper. Mm. I'm working on this at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get in touch with the manufacturers to see whether we can get uh, ready-made sheets cut for us because we haven't got the facilities here to cut them. What they might have to do, Steve, is to have one of the large sheets, and it's a big, large sheet, mm -hmm. and they might have to cut that into however many pieces as near to A3 size as we can. Right, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that one. I'll keep, we'll, we'll let them know as soon as we have some news mm. of that. Mm. Okay, this, this moves us on to another question that we've actually had in this week from Jonathan in the UK. And he asks, I'd be interested to hear more about the Ingress Pastel Paper Tooth grain orientation and how you utilise this with the pastel pencils. For anyone like myself, I, I, you know, I'm not too sure about this. What's, what's the tooth grain orientation of the Ingress Pastel Paper? Right. Well, with our ready-made sheets of A4, it runs across like in a, a, if you think of a rectangle, portrait size, so it's upright re rectangle, it runs across. Right. Okay, so this works out very well with portrait work. But I do understand, I think what John's getting at, is if you have a landscape, 
you have to turn that round so you have a rectangle on its side, if you mm. see what I mean. So it's horizontal. And then the lines are vertical. And that's right. Those keen-eyed amongst you will see that all my lines are horizontal. How do you work that out? <laughs> how that's do you, magic. Yeah, that's, that's a bit unfair, because how do they do that? Well, I happen to have a few sheets, you see. When I do a landscape, I cut a piece of paper out. So I, I've got some sheets, but I, I mean, I, I don't sell these sheets. These are just sheets I've had mm-hmm. for, for years, to be honest. So how do they get around this? Well, they don't, you see. This is the problem we have. But what I'm hoping that will happen is that if we can if we can do the deal with the with the manufacturer and they can supply us with these ready ready cut larger sheets, people can buy the larger sheets and cut them in half. Mm. What does that have as an effect on the picture? The, oh, the, not a lot. The two grain orientation. No, it doesn't. Like, well, it's very few people actually point it out to me, and I've seen professional pictures with the tooth running the other way so it's just a matter of of how you feel about it right moving on we have another question uh this week from diane and she says listening to your video demonstrations i can hear the scratch of your pencil on the paper which she finds quite soothing oh good (laughs) i sometimes find especially if it's a large area that my pencil squeaks is that an indication that my pressure is too hard we've (laughs) we've had this funny enough I used to do quite a lot of workshops, as a lot of you know, and invariably we'd have somebody in the workshop of a dozen people with a squeaky pencil. You'd have a squeaker. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very embarrassing for the poor person because they couldn't seem to get out of it. It's just what happens is every now and again you get a squeaker and you can't do anything about it. What is it? She's, how, how, does, how is it squeaking? Why I don't is know. It? You, I don't don't know, know. you don't know why it's squeaking. I don't know why they squeak. It just, it just, it's just the way it goes sometimes. The way out of it is to sharpen the pencil. Right. And get rid of the squeak. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer to your question, Diane, is we don't know. No, I don't know. Just I, sharpen the pencil. I don't think Faber deliberately put a squeaker in it. It's just something that... Uh, Happens. Just something that happens, don't. Yeah. But it's not an indication that she's pressing too hard. But uh, you'll find that if you think about it, if, if you've watched my demonstrations over the uh, YouTube and the, the member site, you've never heard it squeak, have you? I haven't. No. Why? And I haven't. I don't know. So there may be something in the pressure that's used. What you're saying is she could be pressing a bit too hard. I think she might be. Right. Okay, that's a very long-winded answer. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, though. (laughs) Okay, great. So we've got another question here from Claire Carter, uh, also in the UK. Everyone from the UK this week. When I used to paint uh, ageing black dogs, I smudged a lot of turquoise into the grey bits to give the illusion of grey fur. Please, can you suggest which colours would be most appropriate for this effect with your method? Yes. Well, it... It certainly can be done. Uh, what you'd need to do, though, what you must never do is put the bright colours on to start with. They will register too strongly. So what you do is you put the greys on. If I was had an ageing Labrador, for instance, black Labrador, uh, and I wanted to put uh, turquoise or blue, I use blue a lot. Uh, what I would do is I'd put the grey on, my, my, maybe a little bit of white if you want white uh, uh, hairs, then the uh, grey, mid-tone grey. And once that was on, and perhaps you'd used your blender so that you'd blended it out, the, the key is you mustn't let any of the 
turquoise or the blue color we're going to put on next touch the paper so you must have that base as a base in. or a cushion there then you put the turquoise or the blue in and then you put the darker colors that uh, um, you know would go with it that's the way i would do it blue is a good color if you're using it with black mm. and uh, okay that's a so good tip go, for tip, tip for people out there mm. blue with black works well or turquoise. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, turquoise. It's sort of bluey green, isn't it? Bluey so green colours. would work well Interesting. As well. Mm. That's the tip for this week. Okay, great. Well, there's some great questions there. Thank you very much for sending those in. If you've got a question that you'd like to send to us and we'd and like to, for us to discuss, then you can send it to either admin at colinbradleyart.co.uk or you can send it to Colin personally at colin at bradleygallery.co.uk. You could post on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash colin1940, or you can even tweet us at Colin Bradley Art. Okay, I think that wraps up another episode this week. It's gone quick, didn't yeah, it's it? It's gone very quick this week. So Obviously. we'll be back next week with more stories and more questions. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy, Enjoy your, your week. week. Can I put the kettle on? Yeah, go on.